0: You're listening to Blue Collar CEO, the podcast that's all about helping you build a better, more profitable, and more sustainable home service business. Each week, we'll cover a different topic that will help enable your company to move forward to success. And here's your host, Ryan Redding. What is up, Blue Collar CEOs? It's Ryan. It's great to be with you today. Uh, Coming at you with a conversation with Max Rohr. Uh, Max is the Education and Industry Engagement Manager at Caluffy North America. He has 20 years of experience in installation, design, and training. Uh, And he works with customers, trade associations, co-development bodies, uh, and manufacturers to help develop a more energy-efficient future. We're going to be talking a lot about what he sees coming down the the road as far as uh, the adoption of green technology in different markets. There's gonna be a lot of fun conversation. Let's get in. Max, I am really glad we're able to find the time finally to get you on the show because I know you're, you're very busy. But for those who, who don't know who you are or what you do yet, who are you? Let's just start there. What do you do?
1: So my name is Max Rohr, and I'm the Education and Industry Engagement Manager at Calefi North America. So I work for a company that manufactures Italian brass components for plumbing and heating systems. And then my role is to do training part of the day. Some of it's virtual, some of it's in person, and then also look for other professionals and trade organizations to work with to kind of get the message about energy efficient building and plumbing systems out to our, our customers, whoever those customers may be. It may be an end user or someone who's actually turning the wrenches.
0: Oh, interesting. So you have to work with both like the the customer, the end customer, That could be a business or a homeowner, but also people who are actually in the trades. So, so both like a B2C or B2B sort of component, you're always having to wear both hats.
1: A little bit of everything because we actually sell the products to, you know, an installing contractors who's going to purchase the product from us, but they need to know how to sell that to a homeowner who may, not see the value in doing it better, say, well, I've got option A and then I've got option B, which is going to maybe last longer or be a better performing product or system or application or whatever. And we need to make sure that they've got
0: the tools to kind of get it sold further down the line as well. Right, right. So I guess for those who maybe, uh, cause obviously there's people listening to the show who are outside of plumbing. We have HVAC or electrical. We have guys who do pest control. Like if it's, if it's a blue collar trade, they're probably listening. So for those who maybe don't aren't as well read on what you're talking about with energy efficiency, let's maybe start there. Umbrella thing. If you're talking to someone on the elevator about what this is, why it's important, the, the way the industry is moving, how would you describe that?
1: So buildings use about 39% of the energy in the United States. So it's an enormous uh, use of energy when you compare that to transportation, which is like 20%. So also important. But if you think about how much better we could make buildings, how much more energy efficient, uh, it's pretty low hanging fruit because the baseline code compliant building isn't very energy efficient. So just as a a big picture part of the world that we live in, we can make buildings a lot better with technology that exists. It's not like some pie in the sky, you know, fusion reactor that's going to sit in your basement or something like that. We have the machines to make buildings a lot more energy efficient. And that could be insulation. That's probably the best place to start. Or it could be an air to water heat pump system that's in the mechanical room and kind of everything in between how we move the water around the building, how we move the air around the building. Uh, We have all these tools to do it really well. And uh, what we try and look for are the applications where we can stay ahead of that and say, you know what, you're not required by the state that you live in to do this you know, as you know, perfectly as we are able to. Here's why you should probably still pitch that. And I think that whatever service company you're in, always pitching that premium option is something that we kind of fit into with uh, hydronics, which is moving heat uh, around a building with water. So that would be maybe a baseboard radiator or radiant floor heat or a chiller system for a bigger building for cooling. Uh, That's what we like to use because water is so energy efficient to move just a vessel of energy from one side of the building to the other. Uh, But we think that any sort of premium service should be included in what you're doing. Always give the customer the first right of refusal to say, you know what, that sounds like the coolest thing that your service company does uh, I'm interested or I'm not interested, but um, just as a, a sales thing, we want to make sure that if someone said, give me the premium, I don't care how much it costs, give me the premium. Maybe that comes up twice a career, but it's, it has happened to me where someone has said, you know what, my uh, customer is from a property manager. My customer you know, made a billion dollars. They only live in this house two weeks a year. They want the best of everything that you have to sell. That shouldn't throw you for a loop as a service contractor. You should say, oh yeah, That's menu item number one. Here's the premium, premium, platinum selection. And what we like to do in our niche of the industry is is help people figure out what that is. So in Oregon, maybe that means that you've got a high efficiency wood boiler. Maybe if you're in California, Southern California, it's an air to water heat pump or something that's beyond code compliant, but maybe is looking five, 10 years into the future at what's appropriate for your market. All those things are important to know to really... Uh, be excellent at service, and that's just kind of our our view of uh, hydronics and plumbing service.
0: So I'm I'm curious because a lot of what you're talking about talks about like exceeding code compliance. Yeah, right. If if the government, whatever, if it's local or federal, uh, if their standards are X, you're saying great, we can do X, but really you maybe focusing on Y or Z even. Do it's you a, feel like it's difficult sometimes for contractors to? think beyond the bare minimum to actually like be early adopters onto new standards, new technologies, new systems like this. I think it is really difficult because
1: the, the grade that you are given as a installing contractor, if you're a plumber or if you're a hydronics person or HVAC or whatever is, does it pass inspection? And that can be something that's 10 year old technology that we figured out Okay, you need to have this type of device to protect this. But really, we, you know, the codes are slow. So it's going to take a very long time for that to be adopted. And then the inspector is going by a 10 year old rule book. In some cases, some codes are faster and that's great. But some of the things that are around the corner that are, you know, buzzwords that may be helpful for some people and things that scare other people, things like electrification or zero emissions or decarbonize, all these different, you know, policy things that are coming up. Uh, if you said today, every single new building and existing building must be carbon neutral. Uh, That's something that would scare a lot of customers because we don't really even know how to get there in a lot of cases. And what I think is that that's actually a premium comfort system as well in hydronics, which is kind of fun for us, is that energy efficient and comfortable are really the same system. So we can do that. We can build those systems today. And instead of being, you know, scared by or taken aback by or frustrated by uh, the codes that may be five years away, I say just go for it now, or at least know how to do it. And then it separates your bid from the other service companies or installation companies, where you say, uh, "Our first bid option is a fully net zero building, and however, whichever word you want to use to describe it, or you know, has a lot of solar or whatever the case is." Uh, that's our best option. That's the best that we have to offer. That's going to be something that you're going to be, you know, ahead of these new changes that are coming. That may sound a little scary if you're in New York City or California or places that they are aggressively moving towards some of these uh, systems where they're not going to take a new gas line to a subdivision that's built tomorrow. Uh, doesn't matter. We can be ahead of that. I'm not here to say this fuel is better. Renewables are the only thing that ever makes sense. There's you know a gray area everywhere. But there's also a premium version of that everywhere. And that's what we uh, look to help with our uh, trade journal. It's called Idronics. So you can find it at idronics.coleffi.com, I-D-R-O-N-I-C-S. And they're free trade journals. We'll make sure
0: that there's a link to that in the show notes. In the show notes.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so those are journals that are free that we publish that show you how to do it. So if you want to install an air-to-water heat pump or lower the water temperature in a 100-year-old building in Chicago or wherever you may live, there's some technical tools to help build and
0: service those systems. Do you find that? So the the interesting thing about any sort of things involving energy efficiency, it, I feel like that there's two and maybe, maybe there's more, but I feel like it reduces the two primary sort of um, uh, psychographics, like things that people find interesting about those things. The, the first would be people who do, who do have this kind of awareness of, the impacts of the environment, right? So even take away government mandate and regulation, like, so let's just take that as, as an external force off the table. There are people who it is a value to them to be mindful of their carbon footprint, to re, like have less dependency on things that cause harm to the environment for whatever number of reasons, like that's their value for others. There's an economic driver, right? of, uh, by investing X now, they can save more over time sustainably. Geothermal is a great example of this, where that's a sort of technology that a lot of people know, but uh, has a higher cost to install, but your, your cost of ownership is reduced. And so now you have a break even sort of point where, hey, the economics makes sense after a certain period of time. Do you feel like, especially when you're talking to consumers or trying to have to give tools to contractors so they can work with consumers... Do you feel like you have to always be mindful of both sets of language to talk about the values from an environmental impact sort of standpoint and also an economic standpoint? Or does one sort of outweigh the other typically?
1: No, it's a great point. And it's something that the best service people in any any industry that I've ever met are really great listeners and will be listening for that like, oh, I'm talking to Al Gore right now. I should pivot to the energy efficiency, the green (laughs) side of this, or I'm talking to T. Boone Pickens and he has an oil and gas fortune. Maybe I should talk about, you know, the, the, um, enter or not the, uh, the green side of it, but the comfort side of it. And the cool thing about hydronics is it's really the same premium system in some industries. It may be different that the green version is going to be less comfortable. The greenest version of a house is a tent that might not be the most comfortable version of a house. So in if you're going to build a house in that way, it's completely different. With hydronics, it's actually the same system. So if it were T-Boone Pickens or Al Gore, I would really build the same hydronic system for them, uh, which is something that is maybe unique to our industry, but but maybe not. And that's something that, that I enjoy as well. And I think that one of the other things that we get caught up on in our industry a little bit is that green, comfortable buildings aren't gifted to us by engineers and architects. It's not something that we just like receive and then it's like that always. Uh, We have to maintain those buildings. So the service contractors of the world are vital in making sure that a very energy efficient building stays like that. So you could have a lead platinum or whatever your super green efficient building is and never change the furnace filters and it wouldn't act like that. (laughs) Or you could have kind of a 100 year old building That you really take care of that you service well that you're making sure that everything is you know well oiled and and running cleanly Uh, and that building would be the best version of itself in that way too and that's really you know when we talk about uh these expensive systems which they are sometimes we're always talking about the day one price and we're rarely talking about the 30 40 year price of operating these systems and i think if we had to put that the same way that when you Buy a house now and it's very clear that like this is how much you will pay for this over the course of 30 years if it were just black and white like that i think people would go for that premium option more because it it makes a big difference in the lifetime costs of houses we don't stay in houses as long as they do in europe so that's why things like hydronics are less popular here where in europe they're like i'm gonna live here in this house for my lifetime. And maybe my kids will live here. So I'm going to splurge on that heating system Right, where right. in the U S if we're going to move every seven years, uh, on average, people aren't always as interested in that. But my argument is that, again, the most energy efficient system is also the most comfortable. So even if you're only going to live here for six years and 11 months, you want to have like a noisy energy inefficient, you know, drafty system, or do you want a a good one that you'll enjoy? But it also seems like
0: even if you're only going to stay in a property for like seven years, like a homeowner, uh, it seems like you're also maximizing your resale value. So it's still, there's an economic driver of, you might not notice the lower cost of ownership, but you will, at least I can get my head around the argument that you'll still be able to sell your home at a premium uh, because of those benefits that that technology provides.
1: Yeah, and that would be an example like in California that if you're going to build a new house today, it may or may not be required depending on your city or county to be, you know, carbon free. So, you may still be able to run a natural gas line to your house in Sacramento or whatever the case may be, but just around the corner, they may say no new homes are allowed to take you know, natural gas, existing homes only. So then if I tried to sell that house in 10 years and now natural gas in California is not that popular it's harder to find someone to service that equipment you've kind of potentially lowered the you know the resale value of that house by being just a little bit behind Mm -hmm. where the code was headed Uh, and that's just one example that doesn't mean that that works for everybody but if you build a house that's you know appropriate to sell in seven years it may actually be a very different mechanical system depending on your market you know same thing in new york city they're trying to Not only uh, stop natural gas from going to new buildings in Manhattan, but also to uh, get gas out of existing buildings. (laughs) So if you built a brand new building today that was natural gas everything uh, in 10 years, that may be like, oh, I wish they hadn't done that. That's going to be harder to service and harder to sell. They're going to have to upgrade that. And that's what we would hate to to do, especially if we can do a more comfortable version today.
0: What do you what do you feel like are some like of the biggest misconceptions that either contractors or homeowners that they tend to have in mind when they talk about this uh, energy efficiency, sort of uh, technology in various applications, but especially with like the things you dabble with, like would you say that there's a, a, like a two or three common things that people struggle with that you have I, to overcome? Yeah.
1: I think that they all kind of back come back to, uh, they can't afford it, meaning the homeowner or I can't afford it. If I'm the homeowner that like, no, I can't, I, you know, we are just trying to get this, the heat back on this bill in this building. I can't afford the premium, whatever. But I think that a lot of that is the education of like, you probably can't afford a system that wastes gas all day, every day for 10 years, either, you know, that may be a little bit less of a sting right now, but is something that you're going to, you know, have to fight in the energy bills that you get every single month forever. So I think that that's part of it. I think that that always comes down to, uh, in some ways, the the confidence as a, a service contractor or installing contractor to say, you know what, this is more expensive, but it's worth it. And here's why. And I think that the underlying thing, <laughs> the more that I've seen about our industry is uh, that you have to be convinced that you are worth it and that you are worth the extra money to do that. And the the time that you've spent learning about being the best in your industry is worth that extra price. And it's not the same, you know, apple to apple comparison to the the lowest dirt cheap bid with, you know, none of the bells and whistles that you're up against. I think that you have to have the self-confidence to be able to explain that I am really good at this and this is the best system. And this is why you should go with this bid as opposed to, Okay. The other guy was $10,000 cheaper. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'll, you know, I can uh, cut my bed, $10,000 and it, it just, please don't do it because they think that in all the trades that probably listen to this show, uh, there are people that are working on their craft, whatever that craft is. And they're trying to be the best versions of themselves. And just the, the worst thing that we can do is, is cut ourselves down in that way. So you have to be able to pitch yourself as the premium contractor who can install the premium system and then service it or, or whatever the case may be for your industry. And I think that that's probably, uh, that's where we fall down a lot. <laughs> I think as uh, in my past, I've been a wholesaler and a manufacturer's rep and I work for a manufacturer now. So I'm not the one actually getting the homeowner to you know buy it. I did that for a little bit as my, uh, I worked with my dad in the, the field as a hydronics contractor for some years when I was in. school and college so i've seen that part firsthand but mostly i've seen over the shoulder of one of my installing contractors or customers them kind of okay yeah we'll we'll go with the the cheaper boiler that you know the eu has already banned because it's so energy efficient (laughs) we'll go with that today because i don't you know have the patience or confidence to talk you into doing it better even though i know how to do it better so that what that's are, what i what see are a lot. some of
0: the biggest challenges that you see for the industry like and i guess uh obviously we're both in the industry but we play different roles and i can see i can see especially with if energy efficiency and everything involving green it seems like a never ending treadmill of standards and technologies and techniques and approaches and the science while the science is constant, the application of the science tends to be progressing well. Uh, I can I can see it being really overwhelming of how do you keep up with what uh, like what's coming where we are like what do you feel like are some of the biggest challenges that the industry as a whole faces with the movement towards being more energy efficient?
1: One of the things that I find comfort in is uh, water. <laughs> So water is very good at moving energy around. And that's what hydronics is. Is We're just with a boiler uh, or a heat pump, we're moving water from the mechanical room that we've warmed to the other parts of the house or the building. Uh, we can heat water with a lot of different things. And it may be what's code compliant today. It may be, uh, like I said, some pie in the sky fusion boiler, you know, 20 years from now, like the, uh, the one in the DeLorean and back to the future or something like that. But really water is just a good way to move things around so that like spinning water around a building with a circulator or a pump is something that anybody who's in our trades right now can do they can do that well there are slightly better versions of all the components involved but moving stuff around with water is easy now we just have to figure out what's the best most appropriate way to heat water in my region is it an electric boiler because i'm in seattle and the utility rates are lower because there's a lot of hydropower or is it wind in Wyoming, whatever the case may be, you have to kind of figure that out for yourself. That changes. You have to kind of stay ahead of that. But that part is not as uh, as difficult as having to say, you know what, we're going to have to rethink the way that we do mechanical rooms completely. That's not where we're at. It's just warming the water a little bit more energy efficient. And again, these machines exist. We just have to find the ones that are most appropriate, and uh, pay attention to what manufacturers are doing. Uh, keep an eye on that technology, and make sure that you know how to install the newest product on the market. Go to trade shows, go to trainings, and things like that. But it's really achievable. It's not like you need a PhD in some science that was just exist that just you know started yesterday. It's not like having a PhD in TikTok or something that like I don't even know where to start. All that's new. I can't figure it out. Like all this is achievable for the the people that are very mechanically competent in our industry already.
0: Well said. So if somebody wants to talk to you and learn more about maybe what you'd recommend for their region or how to incorporate some of what you're talking about into their business, how would they reach you to to ask these questions to learn more? Sure. So you can email me, and I guess we can put this in the
1: show notes too, max.rohr at calefi.com. Uh, we also do a monthly webinar series that's free where we talk about these things in an hour. They're also archived on on YouTube. So we've got 13 years of those in YouTube, where we'll talk about something like how do you apply an air-to-water heat pump in a big shop, like a, a diesel mechanics garage or something like that. And we'll kind of break down an application and figure out the best way to do it. So you have a specific application in mind that you can be an expert in and follow up with the trade journals or uh, with our help application specific but uh, that would be a couple different places and then follow us on social media uh, at Kaleffi north america underscore na um
0: those are a that's Kaleffi c-a-l-e-f-f-i that's it uh, for those who don't know how to spell phonetically very well um <laughs> max i i appreciate you uh, taking by to like share just a little bit of snapshot of kind of what you do and the important work that you're doing and I honestly, like, thank you for, for helping influence the trades to become better, become smarter, to be more adaptive, and nimble into moving into this green era. Um, so we'll make sure that ever, all the links, including the trade journals and the show notes. Um, thanks for stopping by. I know you have a ton of ton going on, so it, it was an honor having you on, man.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, and again, the, the contractors know this stuff already. If we can just say, no, you are good at that you, you should have the confidence to do that. That's a win for us. Like the technical stuff is just to reinforce what the people we work with already know they're already good. It's the analogy is like, we don't make great point. We, we make the sword, but our customers are the hero going to slay the dragon. Like that's, they're the ones that are doing the hard work. We're just trying to help uh, push them over the, the precipice there
0: in the hero's journey. So great point. Great point. Well said. So yeah, Max, I, we'll make sure everything's listed in the show notes. Thanks for coming on, man. It's, it, was, uh, it was great having you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This episode was hosted by Ryan Redding, author of the book on digital marketing for plumbing and HVAC contractors and founder of Levergy, the digital marketing solution for serious home service companies. You can subscribe to Blue Collar CEO on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us online at bluecollar.ceo and find us on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode. See you soon.